This week, the obvious question is, is it okay for guys to cry? I'm Mike Trevisano, and each week, one of the hosts, Joe Bertalek, Bob Meyer, myself, asks a question that may seem to have an obvious answer on the surface, but once we get into it, there's much more underneath. This week, we find in our culture that guys, men, can freely engage in any emotion as long as it doesn't involve crying. Why is this? When did we learn that we have to give up crying as something we do, as a way we express ourselves? Are we cool with it? Are we missing out on something if we hold it back? So I had this really cool emotional experience over the weekend, this little thing uh, in my life, in the life of my daughter, which is called marriage. And, uh, you know, I spent a lot of time in the planning aspects of everything. So it's like everything working out perfectly, the perfect weekend, the perfect venue, you know, place settings, everything, you know, music. Uh, I also had the honor to officiate the wedding and thought a lot about that. And not, not really probably until the last few days in terms of what did I want to say. And I didn't really script it out, but it kind of had a, a notion of what I was going to say. But the interesting thing about these life events, at least for me, is that you never, you know, never know how you're going to react. Like, like, am I going to cry? I don't know. People ask me that. Are you going to cry? And then it got me to thinking, is it okay to cry? I'm a guy, you know, I haven't cried in a while. And I'll fast forward to the moment that the bridesmaids and the, and the, and the groomsmen were going down the aisle and Brittany and I are back in the house and the music's playing. It's an outdoor wedding and we're, we're looking at each other and, you know, somebody says, hey, you're about to, you're going out there. Like, you're going out. It's a big time. The minute we hit the door, Brittany and I look at each other and we start crying and even telling you guys now makes me want to cry just thinking about that moment and that joy of seeing my little baby you know hitting this transitional moment in her life and and then we're walking down and we're not to the point where the 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 people in the uh in the venue it was like another area down below um so they can't see us we're behind the bushes and we're walking down i'm like we we have to compose ourselves and Brittany's able to do that pretty well. She just puts on a big smile and she looks fine. She looks beautiful. Me, <laughs> I look like, you know, I'm pissed. Like, because I, like, I suck these tears back into these ducks. And then I look down. And then I got to look up and, like, smile. And I saw some of the pictures afterwards. And I'm like, wow, I, I really look angry. <laughs> I'm not angry, though. Uh, I just had to, like, suck it up. And then I get down there and I switch to officiating. And I knew, even in the rehearsal, that I got to a certain point and I told a story about Brittany, about when when she was two and a half years old, we were out in Cocoa Beach, Florida, and she and I were taking a walk along the beach in the moonlight. We were alone, and she was holding my hand, and she looked up at me, and she said, she said, Daddy, and she this is kind of profound, you know, real profound. She goes, Daddy, you're my daddy. You're my best friend. And I told Brittany, I said, that melted me, my heart then, and it melts my heart now, and I said, I'll always be your daddy. I'll always be your best friend. I can say that now because I said it really quick. But when I said it as I was officiating, I broke down in tears. I couldn't even get the words out because just that image of how did this happen? How did I go from point A to point B? And then the cool thing is, as a guy, I'm not thinking about like, oh, well, there's the grandparents out there in the crowd. There's a friend of Brittany's that worked with her or there's a college roommate I wonder what they're thinking about me at this time. It's a total vulnerable moment, but an authentic moment that I have absolutely no control over, right? Um, so I'm not going back and kind of critiquing like, well, should I have done that? Because I don't know that I could stop doing that. Um, but I, I, that leads me to the question as to, you know, when, 
when did we stop crying? Because I, I had the opportunity to babysit a three-year-old last night. Uh, it's a boy, and uh, he knocked something over in the house. Like, he purposely went over to it, and then I just pushed it on the ground, like, to break it. And I'm like, well, why would you do that? I'm like, you're sitting in timeout. And then I put him in timeout, and he cried. And I think it was a fake cry. I haven't, you know, I'm not in tune with these things, but it was like a... <laughs> and then, you know, I'm like, okay, let's go over here, and he's fine. <laughs> so I don't think that was even a real cry. But how do kids know that? Like, that crying is that, oh, I, I think I know that. So somewhere, somebody designed this whole crying thing that we can control and use to our benefit when we want. And then sometimes it just it just happens and we don't know. So I need your help, guys, about this crying thing. You know, when did we stop crying and why do we cry? Yeah, and it seems to me, Bob, like the thing you're talking about, there's this mechanical part of crying. Then there's the emotional thing that, that I think we have little control over, we try to control. And, and a lot of us are pretty good at, at stopping certain emotions, you know, extreme joy or extreme sadness or whatever. We kind of put a, a line in the sand kind of thing and say, we're not going past that. Whatever I do, I'm not going to cry. And, and we've culturally been told that. Yeah, I think it's, it's natural for kids to cry, certainly babies, you know, to alert you to needs and things like that. But I think the little three-year-old you're talking about has figured out that, you know, just looking around that crying works and, I bet you there's a moment when he doesn't have that control, when something really sad happens, whatever, and it's a different cry. Like you said, is he faking it? Is he doing it for real? And I think that that piece of it, that real cry, is what's built into us that's driven by emotions that actually makes makes us more powerful, you know, in the sense that, you know, for me, if I experience a, a young child, well, I have, I have grandchildren now, and, um, you know, particularly my granddaughters, when they, they're upset over something and they're really sad and they cry, I kind of melt with it. I, I don't know what to do at that point other than to hold them or to, you know, to comfort them, that type of thing. So I think there's something built into the the mechanics of the whole thing that there is there is the recognition that crying will get you something. And even adults, you know, men or women, you know, would would maybe fake it a little bit to get some attention or get some, you know, some benefit from it. But I think when the real thing happens, when the emotion comes through, it's a whole different thing that, that goes on. And I think we're taught particularly as men, not to do that. You know, my, my dad used to say, uh, get up and quit, you know, fall down and get hurt or something. Say, get up and, and quit your crying, you know, or I'll give you something to cry about. You know, it's like something to cry about. I'm, I'm not crying for the fun of it. I mean, this is like, you know, this is painful, whatever's going on. And he would say it like that. And then he would, you know, kind of, he never, never really do anything, but the threat was enough to get me up and stop crying. And, you know, it's kind of like you beat the crying out of a kid. You know, and as an adults, we know you never cry like in meetings or important things like that. It's a sign of weakness. Or is it? And that's the question I'm asking now. Is it really a sign of weakness or is it really a powerful thing you know, that we do? For me, crying, especially as, a, as an adult, as an adult man, of the manliest of men, as an adult man, crying for me is one of these things just kind of like uh, like really hysterical laughter when something's really funny. It, it, they're these really special things I think we do uh, when words won't cut it. You know, when, you know, it's like when you cry really hard and some, you know, why are you crying? It's so sad or it's so beautiful. or it's, You only have a couple of words and they don't capture what it is that's really happening that's making you cry, mm -hmm. right? If I think of the times that have really gotten to me, there's a depth to them that I couldn't describe 
even if I tried, if I had all the time in the world and I, I was able to speak more, speak more better then you know, <laughs> I already can't speak more better. I, I wouldn't be able to capture it, but it's almost like, the emotion takes care of it. Says that yeah, yeah, you are gonna fail. You you won't have the words. Let me take over for you, and I'm just gonna give you this. And it get and it and it results in this sort of yeah, cry, right? You know, where, where you shut down, where where you experience that connection with something. I that I, to me is truly deeper. It's something special. It's something like laughing real hard or sharing something really big and, and great and beautiful or, or something really sad that really touches you or means something that uh, to stop doing that is to shut down something that makes life worth living. The idea to not have an emotion to, to take one and remove it out is probably one of the stupidest things humanity has come up with right you know and i don't know what cultural you know what culture took that over and said let's do let's do this this is a good one let's shop this one you can laugh not too much you can be angry you can definitely be angry you can be so angry that you can throw fists and grit your teeth you know that's fine you know but cry dude no way that's one of the dumbest things we've done because if I think of it, I tend to cry. I think the ones that are memorable aren't the ones that are sad. The mm-hmm. ones for me are even if something sad happened. Let's, the last time I can remember having a real, you know, can't catch my breath cry was when um, we we um, put our dog Stella down. And I don't think I was thinking about, look, I'm going to have to take a break. I have to edit this out. Yeah, just, and just thinking about it makes you want to cry, right? Yeah, yeah. Isn't that and and, a and it's not thing? because yeah, and it's not because I'm sad. You, you know, it's it's not a connection with the sadness. It's a connection with her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's a beautiful thing. So there's there's a whole history there, and that's that's the thing. Like like you said, I mean, I can think of my mom and when she passed away, and just the thought of it and the memories that we shared together makes makes me want to tear up, and it's. <laughs> You know, it's a crazy thing. You know, for guys, it's like what's acceptable and what's not. Even from a media perspective, right? I mean, we can we could see somebody that's gone through. Like I remember, um, I think it was the past. Uh, it may have been the Australian Open. There was an American player, and he was out there, and his dad had just passed away, and his family said, "Well, you shouldn't play in the Australian Open." And he's like, "No, I, I need to do this. You know, my dad would want me to do this," and it was like that ultimate comeback where he'd be down and you could tell that he, he used his dad as the power to get through that tournament and he'd win. And then they interviewed him and he cried and I cried when I, I heard him cry. Cause it was just like, I couldn't, it was acceptable. You know, it's like, that's the right reaction. It's not, well, I'm a man and I just, you know, kick that guy's butt because I'm a better player. It was like, no, I did this for my dad. And I was like, man, that's so, I mean, that's the place I'd want to be. But it is weird that, you know, from a guy perspective, that's looked at as a weakness in a way that, oh, you know, if you were on the battlefield and the five-star general showed up and he said, I have 100 men here. And he says, well, we have 5,000. And then he started crying. Would the battle still ensue? (laughs) I don't know. I mean, 
Yeah, I think on, under current terms, it would, and they would, the, the crybabies would lose. You know, is the way it would be framed. The crybabies lost. You know, at the end of it. But I think, I think you're onto something. I think, you know, evolution. We we talk a lot about how things, you know, happen for reasons, and and we evolved a certain way, or there must be a certain benefit to something. I, I think there's a real benefit to the emotions coming through, like crying. And I know from my experience, like I'll, I'll say with my wife as an example, you know, when she's in a in a place where she's either very sad or very happy, she'll cry. And at times, I, I you know, in that moment where I say, whoa, 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 what, what are you crying about now? And what, you know, because I thought a minute ago we were happy and I still haven't quite got the clues right where I know that it's not that all of a sudden she got sad. It's that she's so happy that she starts to get emotional and cry over it. Like you've described the wedding, Bobby, you know, that kind of thing. So there's something there that's very, very powerful. But the problem is if you're playing by the rules that we have developed in our civilization or, or this particular culture, we say it's a weakness and we, we promote that at work, you know, don't cry at work. And even for uh, men or women, doesn't matter. I mean, it's, it's a sign of weakness. It's, it's stated that way. So I think, I think as a young boy is, you know, growing up, I heard that enough that I started to believe it. And with my friends or whatever, you know, you'd, you'd be tough. You'd get up and you'd, you wouldn't show them that you were in pain or that you were sad or anything, or if something bad happened, you know, uh, in the case like Mike with your dog, you know, I, we had a dog when I was younger too. And I remember feeling like I couldn't really cry about it. I really shouldn't. It was like the dog was a good dog and it had its life and it's done and get over it, you know, kind of move on. And the culture kind of told me that and it carried forward to work and it carried forward to, you know, time in the military and stuff like that. So, but I think there's a very powerful thing going on that we're missing. And I know for me, if I'm in a place and even the toughest of meetings and someone in that, that meeting reveals themselves that way and shows that kind of emotion, it changes everything. The whole dynamic of the meeting shifts and everyone leans in towards that person to, you know, to help them out with whatever the situation is, whatever's driving it. And in most cases, it just wants to play itself out. It just wants to come through. You know, I, I know watching you and Mike, you know, on the, on my monitor here, I can see that that when you're telling the story, maybe it doesn't come through quite in your voice, although it's there as well. So I can see that emotion. And why not? I mean, why not connect with that? And why not feel that? And why not be part of that? I think that's the joy of life, where, the, where a lot of our, our lives come together on that. Certainly the events that are most important in your life have emotion attached to them. If they don't, I don't know how they become emotional or how they become important. Mm. I think they all have it. Common denominator, the more I think about it, mm -hmm. there's all the important stuff has emotion behind it. So why kill that? Why, why push that away? And the more you push it, if you push the sadness away, ironically, you also, you also push the happiness away. You know, it's like a package deal. You don't get one without the other. So people who are very rigid and never show that kind of emotion like sadness are not very joyous people. They don't go around dancing and singing and all that. They're, they're kind of like very well controlled. They have a voice that sounds very monotone and very, you know, very much with it, you know, moment to moment. Hmm. Somewhere along the line, they we had the message, I guess, that you know, being that being that way, being you know, stoic and rigid, and is is you know, the pillar of being like a a strong provider and you know, offering safety and you know, there must be some sort of evolutionary answer to why that would show up in our culture, just like there's an evolutionary answer to why we cry in the first place, right? Like there's there's got to be something there, but what a dumb one. When, <laughs> when I'm glad, I'm glad that for me, I'm, I'm, I'm not doing that. You know, life is too big and beautiful to shut down any, 
any of the tools, you know, especially these ones that, again, that where words are going to fail. You know, I, I'd rather go to the thing that, you know, lets me live the, the experience fully without having to define it, you know, to say, well, this is, this is very sad. This is very, this is, you know, emotional, you know, no, like it's just happening. I'm going to, yeah. I'm well, it's the difference it. between being robotic and being authentic. You know, we might be able to progress as far as we can with robotics, but I, I doubt that they're going to have these tear ducts, right? That they can decide to just turn it on whenever they want. Like you tell your, your robot clone, a, a you know, a sad story and, <laughs> and they just start tearing up. You know, I, I don't know that that's going to happen. You know, I think they could probably do that, Bob, but it would be like that three-year-old that's putting it on because he's getting a timeout. Yeah. The robot would be like, oh no, not another time. It would be like very mechanical in that sense. And, and we might buy it for a little bit. We might be confused when we see tears and sadness. Mm -hmm. But I was thinking, you know, what is even more important, I think, than tears is I can see your faces as you're talking. I can tell when it's coming because I can see the movement of your face. Mm -hmm. What better describes us than our faces? Yeah. I mean, your body's 99% or 90% of what, what you are, but your head is like that face is a small percentage of it, but it has everything. Every emotion comes through that way. It comes through with the movement of your lips, the way your eyes cringe, all that kind of stuff. And I know there are people that are very good at reading faces like that. I think I can do it fairly well, but there are people who are really good at it. They can tell exactly what's going on if you're lying or something. Mm -hmm. It's right there in the muscles. You can't deceive them because it's not under your control. We're pretty good at holding back tears. We're pretty good at you know, getting a big smile when we have to. But there's something about that that if you, if you really read it, you can tell what the person's thinking, what the emotion they're going through at that moment, you know, if they're lying to you or something like that. That's kind of niche. To me, that's interesting. It's really neat to think that we're built that way, that we've got... And I don't know how many face muscles we have, whatever, but the movement of our face can tell us everything, you know, just by looking like that. And then the tears help a little bit, too. Mm -hmm. They well up like that. That's kind of cool, too. So final thoughts on, you know, can guys cry, you know, or is it only in certain circumstances? Like I can cry in the in a darkened movie theater if it's a, a great, you know, movie. You know, they, I'm watching with Christy and, and that end wrapped up moment, you know, I can tear up and then you know, eat a piece of popcorn and then walk out and compose myself. And nobody even knows that Bob shed a tear. <laughs> so what are your thoughts? Final <laughs> thoughts. Yeah, I'm stuck, Bob, because I, I don't have a choice but to cry. You know, I'm at that point where in my life and maybe where experiences, my uh, my kids are funny. I was down visiting my uh, my son and my daughter and their families down in, in Charlotte. And there was one time I was down there and, and uh, we're about half an hour into the visit. And one of my little granddaughters is saying the cutest things and I just welled up. I couldn't help it. And I started, you know, tearing up and stuff. And one of them said, I win. I said, what's that about? They said, oh, we bet now. How soon are you going to cry after you get here? <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> That's they made a game out of it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's awesome. It told me at the time, I said, well, I guess it's okay then. You know, I'm, I'm, they're betting on me and it's there and they're, they're betting, you know, smaller and smaller times, which is even better for me. But, but I think, I think, Everything that you guys have said and everything we've talked about only matters if there's emotion connected to it. Picture our current situation in the world and where we are with leaders and stuff and the people who are in each other's faces. You know, can you imagine any of them crying? I can't. Uh, that'd be the last thing. And yet, then they're keeping back one of the most important emotions that they could use. The most powerful tool we have as humans seems to be that kind of a, of a move that we make automatically. We, we stop it and we stifle the very thing that would, would help us to, to change things, to make a difference. 
That seems like a crazy, crazy situation. I love it. And mm-hmm. I saw, I remember George Bush crying and kind of tearing up a little bit with uh, 9-11, mm-hmm. you know, and it felt really good to me. It felt like he was a real person. I think that needs to change. Yeah. You know, Joe, as, as my final thought, I'll dovetail right on top of that, that uh, I think I think anybody, any any leader, anything who thinks they're making decisions that are that are emotionless is kidding themselves. They're just suppressing it, or they're turning away from it, or, or they're stifling it, or whatever. But you know, this idea again of the stoic, emotionless, you know, Spock, you know, decision maker, that is not what a human is. So if you're squashing that down, you're you're not drawn upon all of the tools in your tool chest. I'm not saying it's appropriate, you know, all the time to burst out, you know, but if it's authentic, if it if it's real, it's inappropriate not to, right? It's, yeah. and it's human. It's not human, right? Yeah. yeah, you really do limit yourself. Something to really really think about. <laughs>